I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. says these are the dog days of summer. There is so much going on. The baseball trade deadline is fast approaching. The Twins are trying to be uber aggressive. The Vikings start training camp next week. It's a great sports weekend with the British Open. And the Wolves made some news this week and wrapped up Summer League. Let's start there. Fran Fraschilla is a regular, semi-regular at least, on the Scoop podcast. He called the Wolves championship game loss to Memphis in the Vegas Summer League. He saw them play multiple times in Vegas. He knows Jarrett Culver incredibly well. Let's catch up now here on Scoop Podcast episode 244 on this Friday night here on Score North, scorenorth.com. Let's catch up now with ESPN's Fran Fraschilla. Fran, I always appreciate your time. How about just start with overall thoughts? You saw the Wolves multiple times in Vegas. You called multiple games. You called the championship game loss earlier in the week to Memphis. Just take me through your overall thoughts as you watched the Wolves in Summer League. Well, it was fun. You know, the Will, the Wolves were among a lot of teams who didn't see their first-round pick play, and so it opened up opportunities for so many guys. Many of them, Darren, as you know, will probably not be on the final roster and or maybe not even on the G League roster in Iowa. But what I love about Summer League, and this was really emblematic of the way the Wolves played, was lots of guys fighting for jobs, um, you know, that just – love the game and you know for a couple weeks in the summer can say they were part of an NBA team and the Wolves had you know plenty of those guys Canyon Barry comes to mind you know off the bench um but but so many you know so many guys like that Jordan McLaughlin was tremendous probably one of the best point guards in summer league and uh and maybe maybe has a spot as a third point guard um but that's what I love the grind of seeing guys who I watched in college trying to achieve something they've worked on their whole lives. It's a dream of every guy in summer league to play in the NBA. Not realistic for most, but just to see these guys competing uh, was fabulous. And the Wolves, of course, were one of those teams by getting to the finals. They, uh, they got to play a lot of basketball. The Wolves had Pablo Fran coaching. I mean, he's going to be the Wolves' offensive coordinator from – from a style standpoint, a system standpoint, I mean, de-emphasizing the mid-range jumper, emphasizing a lot of threes, emphasizing ball movement. I mean, did you see maybe things that maybe Wolves fans might see come October, November, December when they're watching Andrew Wiggins, Jeff Teague, Carl Anthony Towns, things that might carry over stylistically? Well, it's, it's, it's difficult to tell, Darren, in summer league. Uh, it's essentially like an NFL team just using their base offenses and defenses and not wanting to give away much. Summer League is really about, you know, basic NBA concepts that many of these guys are learning for the first time, those that don't have the NBA or G League experience. So um, I couldn't really tell necessarily what Pablo's long-range, you know, offensive philosophy will be going into the season. But let's just say as someone who loves international hoop and has watched this guy for a long time, um, it was really fun to see him have the head coaching reins when you consider, um, you know, how good a player he was, uh, both as an NBA player and certainly internationally. And uh, that was something I enjoyed quite a bit, watching him on the sidelines. So, uh, and I think, I think if there was anything I took away, 
from watching him, it was his demeanor and his positive attitude. And I think that will definitely carry over, uh, you know, into the season as both the offensive coordinator and just a member of, of Ryan Saunders' staff. The big man from LSU, Reed. I mean, the Wolves have already, friend, I don't know if you know this, they converted yeah. his contract. He's no longer on a two-way. They gave him a standard NBA contract. Granted, it has three team options, but he'll get some good money for being undrafted, especially good money for the upcoming season. How much did Reed impress you? Well, he was impressive, and I have to tell you, you know, he's a kid I've watched since when he was 16 years old, and I want to keep it real and say there's a reason he didn't go in the first 60 picks. And and it's not because of his talent. There were some questions about his desire to play and his work ethic. Certainly he had really bright moments at LSU. And, of course, in summer league, he had some outstanding games. Um, hopefully, hopefully not being drafted literally a year after being a McDonald's All-American will be a wake-up call for him, uh, allow him to play with a chip on his shoulder and prove people wrong. Um, I certainly because I know his game was, I wouldn't say overly critical, but I was honest in my assessment about his, you know, his work ethic in college and in high school. And, uh, you know, this was like a baby step for him. Uh, there's no question he's got the physical maturity and the talent to be a good NBA player. And uh, I, don't think, I don't think the Wolves are necessarily rolling the dice here. I think it's a good, solid, calculated bet that he will become a good NBA player. Now it's up to Naz to, uh, you know, again, play with that chip on his shoulder, prove people wrong, and eventually someday maybe get an even bigger deal. Kind of bet on himself right now. And uh, given the way the Wolves are rebuilding, in some ways, uh, hopefully a guy like Carl Anthony Towns will be a great mentor for him, given that they both are Jersey guys. They are both Jersey guys. Yeah, that's why it was surprising that, that Naz ended up in, in Baton Rouge to begin with. That surprised me. And I know there's all sorts of questions about some well, stuff there that are, maybe happened there. Are there are some of us, let's just say, we're not surprised oh, okay. that he went yeah. down to LSU. But I will leave it at that. Yeah, no, that is that is a good way of putting it. Does, does Naz's ceiling, does that remind you of anybody? I mean, I had somebody with the Wolves not make the direct comparison to Boogie Cousins, but... Maybe there are some boogie traits that Naz has. I mean, is there any is there any comp that comes to mind when talking about Naz? Well, you know, it's crazy. Um, I would never want to put this on him, you know, and, and bang it home. But the kid is 6'10", 240, and can shoot the ball from outside. There's a little Carl Malone there. But as we both know, um, you know, Carl Malone was a special breed of cat. Um, came, you know, I, I don't know how many games he missed in his NBA career, but there weren't. There weren't more than a handful, let's put it that way. So um, I think that Naz, uh, you know, not, there's not any one guy that he reminds me of, but his strength right now is where the strength of the league is regarding big guys, particularly five men, and that is big guys that can play away from the basket. No question that he has to play with more physicality and toughness um, if he wants to be – uh, you know, someday an inside-outside kind of guy. Um, it's all there for him, without a doubt. I'll pick your brain on the two Wolves draft picks. Neither ended up playing in Vegas. Let's go backwards. I guess let's start with their second-round pick, Jalen Noel, who still hasn't signed. I mean, I know there's some disagreement on maybe how the language of his contract will end up being written and all that, but nonetheless, they end up taking him in the early 40s. Pac-12, what, player of the year, right? Pac-12 player of the yes. year, Fran, at Washington. So, I mean, there's enough there to like with Jalen Noel. Well, I'm a big fan of Jalen Noel's. Uh, 
he had a tremendous season at, at Washington, obviously. As you pointed out, Pac-12 Pac Player of the Year. Um, he's kind of in between a point guard and a two-guard. My NBA friends think eventually he's going to have to be a point guard, but he can really score. Um, he comes out of Seattle, and he's got that Seattle toughness that we've seen in the league uh, bode well. Guys like uh, uh, Jamal Crawford and, and Brandon Roy, Isaiah Thomas. So I'm high on Jalen. Uh, I think he's going to develop into a good NBA player. He has a, a knack for scoring for sure and, uh, and a good cerebral approach to the game. Uh, the biggest thing for him is going to be figuring out where the best place to play him is. And, um, you know, again, I think he's one of those guys that can swing back between the, between the one and the two. Did he play much one at Washington? Uh, he didn't because they, they had a, they had a starting point guard, but, uh, he can definitely handle the ball and make plays. It's not the best thing he does. Scoring is the best thing he does. And he was a very prolific shooter from, uh, from deep in Washington, but he has playmaking potential. But you don't want to take away his ability to score at the same time. I think he has to develop into the modern NBA combo guard that can swing back and forth, but he's capable of doing that. Before we get to Culver, you touched briefly on McLaughlin, the point guard from USC. I mean, I could see him now with Reed, you know, being converted to a to a standard NBA contract. I mean, the Wolves have two two-way contracts sitting there. I mean, I guess I would not be surprised if if Jordan McLaughlin ends up with one of those. You like him? I do. I do. In fact, I think if the T-Wolves don't move in his direction, they'll find at least a two-way deal somewhere in the league. Um, first of all, he was a tremendous college point guard. Uh, you know, really one of the best in the country. Now, the, yeah, the physical profile may not necessarily fit uh, what uh, the T-Wolves are looking for, but, you know, I would say Tyus Jones wasn't an overwhelming athlete either. Uh, this kid's got a little bit of... Uh, of Fred Van Breed in him because he's not only a good playmaker, he can shoot the ball. And now, after a couple of years out of college, he's uh, he's got more pro experience. So I absolutely love the way he played in uh, Las Vegas, and he helped himself. There's no question. Another guy who presumably helped himself is the kid from Butler, Martin. I mean, if the Wolves don't give him a two way, he should be able to land a two way somewhere. Again, same thing, you know. Uh, same thing, Darren. This is kind of what I alluded to earlier. It was so much fun watching guys tight for NBA jobs uh, and and uh, play well. And, and Keelan Martin certainly was an offensive juggernaut for this uh, Wolf Summer League team. And, uh, you know, not a super athlete. Um, probably would be deficient on the defensive end. But, you know, in summer, which I call, I call Summer League the double-A baseball all-star game <laughs> because you have a lot of prospects there. Not everybody's going to make it, but, you know, in and around the kind of competition he saw, he was certainly a very, you know, uh, he certainly had an excellent couple weeks of basketball. There's no question. All right, let's get to Jared Culver. So you're flying from where, Vegas, back home to Dallas the other day, and next thing you know, Culver sits next to you on the plane? Yeah, it's funny because I've known Jared since his freshman year, and I've covered him quite a bit. So, uh, you know, when I got to the airport uh, Tuesday morning, it wasn't a shock to me that uh, – he was heading back to Dallas and then obviously on to Lubbock. I think he told me he's going to be in Minneapolis by the end of the week. So he's only home for a couple of days. But uh, he did sleep the whole way. I have to report that. But um, great kid. You know, you've gotten to meet the family. Phenomenal people. Uh, Mom and dad have a church in Lubbock. 
Uh, I, I wouldn't have any concerns about him not being out of Lubbock uh, very much, you know, as a young guy. He is uh, not low maintenance. He's basically no maintenance. <laughs> He's one of the best people you'll ever meet. He's serious about improving. I think the vets will like him from day one. Very humble guy. And obviously now the key thing is to get him acclimated to the NBA, get him up to speed conditioning-wise, and get him ready for training camp. I mean, he's always been a fighter, right? I mean, it's not like he was a five-star recruit. I mean, I get it when you've got Baylor wanting you in Texas Tech. I mean, it's not like you're a nothing. But, I mean, right, junior year in high school, Fran, he was like 350th in his class or something like that. So, I mean, clearly the way he works helped put him in a position to be a top-six pick. Yeah, there's no question there. Well, first of all, there's not a lot of college basketball recruiting traffic going through Lubbock. Uh, I think the last NBA player that came out of there was, believe it or not, the great Craig Hilo, uh, who wound up in junior college and then up at Washington State, where he played for George Rattling, by the way. But uh, so, so they don't come around very often, NBA players in Lubbock. But, uh, you know, great kid. Um, his older brother is a tremendous athlete. We'll try to make the U.S. Olympic track and field team, former NCAA indoor high, high jump champ. So it's a, it's a great family. And uh, the, the thing that stands out about Jared Culver is no one will outwork him. He'll put the time in the gym uh, that, it, that it takes to be a good player. He has some things he has to work on. The outside shooting has to be consistent. Um, but overall, uh, prototype, two-guard size, handles the ball well, pretty smart player, good defender. He's got a chance, I think, to develop into a good NBA player. That's ridiculous about his older brother, who I met, by the way, Fran. I mean, Jarrett told me, Fran, that he's not the best athlete, and it makes sense when yeah. your brother is is an unbelievable track athlete, but he goes, I'm not the best athlete in my family. One of my brothers is. Well, he's, not, he's humble, and he's probably, in this case, he's accurate, you know, because... Uh, as I mentioned, Trey is on, I think he's on the pro track circuit. And when you're fourth all time in the history of the NCAA in anything, you're doing something right. So, uh, um, you know, he's, uh, I, every time I asked Jared about him, he said he's training hard. And, you know, of course, he's probably, oh, I don't know, less than 12 months away from the Olympic track and field trials in uh, 2020. I'll let you go after this, but I would be remiss, Fran, to not pick your brain on Jordan Murphy, former Gopher. I mean, I think he'll have a chance to end up with the Iowa Wolves, and you know what? He'll have a chance to fight his way. No guarantees, but he'll have a chance to eventually fight his way to the NBA. Well, his path is something we talked about in the past, and uh, one thing you saw from Jordan, he was very prolific. He he had some really good games. Uh, I think a key for him, if if he's got an NBA future, is to go go to Iowa, assuming he's going to be with their G League team, and I would work on my outside shooting because he's going to give you a certain amount of toughness anyway inside, but at the NBA level, there are going to be nights he's overwhelmed physically in that regard. But his ability to play away from the basket and knock down threes, much like, let's just say, a P.J. Tucker has done, I think will help Jordan. But in the summer league, again, the equivalent of a high level of division of a 1AA, you know, minor league baseball, uh, Jordan certainly handled himself well, played with the same type of toughness we remember at Minnesota, and had some bright moments for the uh, Wolf Summer League team. 
Fran, your analysis is always gold. Thank you so much. Always glad to help, Darren. I love picking the brain of ESPN analyst Fran Frischilla. I especially love picking the brain of Wolves and Lynx owner Glenn Taylor. Glenn, on the Wolves' pursuit of D'Angelo Russell, draft night, everything that happened the last few weeks, an injury update on Robert Covington, an injury update on Jeff Teague. Lots to get to with Glenn. back on this Friday night here on the Scoop Podcast on Score North and scorenorth.com. No time to waste. Let's get to Wolves and Lynx owner, Glenn Taylor. Glenn, let's start with the Wolves. We'll get to the Lynx in a second, but let's start with your men's team. I mean, for the most part, the heavy lifting is done. You guys gave Naz Reed an NBA contract, so presumably you'll sign a couple guys to to two-way contracts. Hopefully you'll get the second-round pick Jalen Noel signed pretty quick, too, but for the most part, the heavy lifting is done. How do you analyze what Gerson Rosas has done the last few weeks? No, he set out a mission, um, you know, or a vision, maybe it would be the better way to say it, uh, of what he wanted to do, and I think he's really stuck to it. I mean, that was that uh, he's going to go out and um, find uh, young players, players maybe uh, similar to the age of Andrew and Kat, and uh, so that we have a whole team uh, looking towards the future, and then uh, try to get them signed up with favorable contracts so that uh, we can keep them here for a while and develop them. But uh, look at which uh, of those uh, players can um, uh, have higher potential and really help this team. And that's what he said he was going to do, and I just think he has done that. And presumably he also said, Glenn, that he would go star chasing and you know, certainly you guys met with a premier free agent in Los Angeles. Maybe you were in on some other conversations, but at least he tried to acquire a second superstar. And he said that that would be part of his plan. He said there is no uh, program or player out there that if he thought that would help our team, that he wouldn't make inquiries. And when he had the uh, chance to do that with Russell, that uh, uh, they did set up a... Uh, interview with him you know the first uh, the first moment that they were able to and uh you know and started on it stuff like that but you know as it happens in a lot of cases an unexpected thing is uh um they, they uh, golden state had this big opening and they had this money and they just came in and and just said that we will give you uh, uh durant's contract or basically the money that they were going to give uh durant uh, the max that they could, and uh, he could be, you know, with a, you know, a championship team or a cal- championship caliber team, immediately, and you know, and he took it. Uh, so I mean, I don't have any hard feelings towards him. I'm, that's a great opportunity for him. Did you have a chance to interact with him? I mean, was there a moment where you thought that that you guys would land Russell? Well. I think after Cat had the chance, you know, I had met him previously before this uh, and talked to him, but that was uh, not negotiating or anything. But uh, I knew who he was because we just uh, had run into each other uh, in the previous year. So I knew who he was. He knew who I was. Uh, but basically, a lot of his uh, was based upon his relationship with Cat, and Cat had a great uh, talk with him that evening once we were able to. Uh, talk to him, and and I know that all went well, and you know that was an important part of our presentation, and that uh, he would play with 
players that he uh, really liked. So, uh, you know, we thought that was positive. We thought everything we had, had done was positive. But uh, so we were hopeful. I mean, I suppose the tough part was you guys had to create cap space, right? Whether whether it was through a sign and trade to move out money or just to make some sort of separate transaction. But you had to free up cap space, which, which always complicates things. That, I mean, you're correct. I mean, that and that slows us down a little bit. So, I mean, you know, I mean, it was great that you guys had the meeting. And, you know, I mean, a lot of Wolves fans were excited, Glenn. I mean, I'm sure you sensed that, that, you know, even Carl Anthony Towns put some stuff on social media, on Instagram. So, I mean, I think a lot of Wolves fans were very, very hopeful that D'Angelo was coming. But I guess, you know what, at least you tried, right? I mean, the worst thing that happens is he says no, but at least you made the effort. I mean, that's better than not making the effort. No, I was hopeful, too. Uh, I mean, it wasn't just a a shot in the dark here. I I was hopeful because of... uh, of uh, perhaps uh, his age and he, he, that he had already had a relationship with our players, and I think he could see the upside of playing with a bunch of young guys uh, and being with them a long time. I mean, goal, him going to Golden State, the downfall for him was is that he he's not sure how long he'll be needed there. Yeah, so I mean, heck, I mean, with all the changes in your league, Glenn. I mean, it's almost inevitable that many, many big names are going to change teams in the next year or so, so hopefully you guys can take advantage. That's right, and and, and we just have to wait. Uh, well, we'll wait during this season. I mean, things might happen during the season, too. I, mean, I just know that we're going to look at every opportunity that comes along. And it makes sense, too, right, to find somebody that maybe fits the same. I mean, you laid it out, the, the age range of of Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. So, I mean, there might be a superstar out there. I mean, heck, one just moved that's 31 years old. There's one that's available that's 34 years old. But maybe those guys are too old to fit your timeline. I think that you're correct in that, that we look at the age of some of these players, and they're really quality guys um, uh, and, you know, have shown that they could play. But I think, you know, we're looking at the long run. We're not uh, looking to bring a player of that caliber in and just having one or two years. I mean, we want our young guys who are mostly, as as you look at the roster, are in their early 20s, you know, up to 25, most of them are, so that you're looking at them that they're heading towards the best years of their career over the next five years. So, I I mean, that would be ideal for us, that we are competitive, get in the playoff for a number of years in a row, so that we have the chance to win the championship. On that, how much better do you think Carl Anthony Towns can be? Because he's already pretty darn good. Well, I'm I'm convinced that he'll get better just because of the, his character and his desire to be better. So, I mean, it's just, I think, um, working against different players, he'll understand the different players, uh, their, um, you know, how they play, and he'll take advantage of that, I think, as he goes along. So, to me, um, uh, he has uh, that experience uh, will help him in the future. I mean, I just remember the guys with experience on our team and, and talking to Kevin McHale, talking to Sam Mitchell, talking to Terry Porter, you know, guys that were in the league a long time. And they said that, you know, you learn something every year. You, you have a chance uh, to improve your skills just by uh, uh, your knowledge of how the game is played and your opponent's. Does Wiggins, Glenn, have that same desire? Well, I, I have talked to him this year 
and uh, and we've had some really nice talks, and he assures me that he does. So, I mean, hopefully there's there's a lot more there. I mean, heck, it wasn't that long ago, Glenn. I mean, that year under Sam Mitchell, Andrew was pretty darn good, and then you bring in Jimmy, and, you know, maybe his role changed to some extent, and, you know, then the craziness of last year. But, I mean, it seems like there's a lot more there with Andrew. Would you agree with that? I agree with that, and, and Andrew assures me there is. And, and on the other hand, I would say that he's been around. He's been working hard. We know that because we see him. I've uh, seen him up there practicing up at our, our up at Mail, and uh, and so I know he's working really hard. And uh, I was spent uh, quite a bit of time out there at um, uh, the summer league uh, talking to him, and he told me what he's doing. You know, to get ready, and and uh, and uh, I think it's the obvious. I don't think there's any secrets. You know, Andrew said, you know, he wants to be able to bring the the ball to the basket uh, and score more, and he certainly has the ability to do that. And he wants to work on his threes, and uh, and he's you know trying to figure out how he can be a better defensive player because again, he has a skill set to, to do that. Uh, uh, if if he can improve on all those three things, it'll bring him certainly back to his rookie year and then hopefully progress beyond that. Vegas worked out well, Glenn. I mean, you guys, I mean, owners, I guess, collectively, I mean, you guys you guys made some changes that I think should benefit the fans. Well, uh, you know, I mean, uh, we, we signed a player uh, to our, uh, our, our team, and then I think uh, I know we're going to make another two-way offer to another one of the starting uh, players there just because of how he performed there. Uh, that was great. And then just a bunch of other guys really played well. That will help us uh, go down to our, if they sign, it will help us go down to our G League. And they, you know, all these guys could be available uh, sometime during the year. And, you know, then I was also, I guess I was referencing, Glenn, the the approval of, of the coaches' challenge. I mean, I think that's something that, well, heck, maybe it benefits coaches and teams more so than fans, but fans just want the right calls to be made. So, I mean, that was a pretty big change that you guys approved. We, um, uh, I really like the coaches that we brought in. I, uh, they are so optimistic, and they're going to challenge our players, and I think you saw a little bit of how the, it was run at the summer league, the the guys really moved up and down the court. They took a lot of threes. They got in. They got in some nice dunks and you know short shots, and uh, and also they played defense. And I think that'll just carry over into our practices here uh, this summer, and then and then before camp starts, and after camp starts, uh, I think you're just going to see that these coaches will have very high expectations of our players and since the players have already been in there practicing with them uh, and have spoke very highly of them I'm just confident that this is really going to help us this year. And then what about the work you guys did Glenn though with with the Board of Governors allowing coaches to challenge plays next season? Well we've talked about that a while and we practiced it in the G League and and, uh, I think it'll uh, you know help the game because there's it appears there's always a, a player too that uh, that just gets called wrong. Uh, you know, I mean, because the, uh, somebody's in the way, they don't see it exactly, and, and the ref uh, calls a foul. Usually, it's a foul, and and it probably wasn't. And uh, during the you know in the fourth quarter, I think most of these will be used. It could make a difference in some games. Just the momentum of the game. 
How sad are you, Glenn? I mean, there's some popular guys that are now gone, right? I mean, Derrick Rose and, you know, namely Tyus Jones. I'm still sad about Tyus, Glenn. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the personality, these are a couple of men that I really liked and enjoyed and built a friendship with. But I would say to them, uh, uh, you know, they were offered very good contracts with the teams that uh, made them the offer. So I'm happy for them. I mean, if, if what we did is help them, you know, help their financial future, uh, I still feel good about it that uh, we played an important part. In this league, you're just always going to lose some guys that you have great friendships with, you, have, you admired them, and certainly you would like to have them on your team. But, you know, we're dealing with our financial situation. I mean, we have uh, so much money that we can spend, and we, we've just got to work within that framework. And when somebody else comes in and offers them a contract, that's, uh, for us it's uncompetitive. Uh, we've just got to um, live with it. And then um, try to make something positive uh, of it by going out and signing somebody else um, that we think has a, a lot of potential and hopefully can uh, be as good as these guys were. So you didn't offer any resistance when Gerson calls you, Glenn, and says, hey, we're not going to match the Tyus Jones offer sheet? You just no, say, I, hey, no problem? No, no I didn't. I, I think we had talked about that before the offer was made and what, what what we could do and where we were going to go. I think we had an understanding of where our offer would be. And and uh, I think uh, once Memphis, they got afraid that we were going to make uh, him an offer, they just upped theirs a little bit more to make sure they kept us out of it. And I suppose, I mean, what you're talking about is, I mean, you right now, and rightfully so, Glenn, you don't have an interest in paying the luxury tax, right? Like, that's a tax you pay... When you're what, like Milwaukee or Portland, like you're knocking on the door of a championship right now, you guys are building something, so there's real no need to to pay the luxury tax. That's correct. I think uh, there's a time for the luxury tax, but I mean, you want to at that point uh, because it's very costly. You want to get yourself deep into the playoffs so that you have a chance of the championship. Uh, I think that uh, we still. Uh, you know, we made some changes this year. We'll make some changes next year, too, just because we'll have an opportunity to do that because we'll have money to spend. And uh, so we've got to take one, you know, year at a time. I think we're doing the right thing for this year by bringing in a bunch of young guys, high potential, and then we'll just have to see uh, how they can play against some of these stacked teams that have put some uh, superstars on their team. How crazy was draft night, Glenn? I mean, you guys end up moving up, but we thought maybe you'd try to move up to four to get the guard from Vanderbilt, but you end up at six. You move Sarich, you move 11 to get up to six, and then there was some buzz that maybe you guys were trying to acquire another pick, maybe to land the kid from that played in France. He's from Africa, Sekou Dumboya. I mean, there was a lot going on on draft night, wasn't there? Yeah, all the things that you just said, uh, uh, they tried. I mean, we looked at four. I mean, we made the call to the teams, and uh, but you know, uh, you know, sometimes teams just uh, have a better offer, or they just are not interested. And but uh, even when we got our at our player at six, uh, the guys did go down and look at uh, at many other opportunities. Called a bunch of teams. Uh, I was right there, so I saw that they they looked into everything they ca- they could. They uh, looked into the second round, you know, trying to get the certain players but uh, uh, I'm pleased with all the initiative that they had in trying it and I'm satisfied with the results that we got. 
I thought you guys would take uh, Kobe White. I was surprised you guys passed on Kobe White. Well, um, I mean, you can ask uh, uh, Gerson and or uh, the coach. Um, they like the guy that they drafted. I like him too. Yeah, I mean, they like White yeah. too. <laughs> I'm not saying that they didn't. But uh, they they went with the, the fellow that they thought could help them the most, and and I got to rely on that. I mean, I I'm not in a position to say between those two which is the best. But uh, a guard, uh, you know, was somebody that we had looked at, but uh, uh, that was their choice. How are Jeff Teague and Robert Covington doing? Uh, talk to uh, talk to them, and they say they're coming along fine. That they're going to be ready for uh, uh, before camp to be, uh, you know, in practice and ready to roll. Okay, and I'll leave you with this, Glenn. On the links, we're through. We're just past the halfway point of the season. Eighteen games in, you guys have ten wins, eight losses. But you know what, Glenn? All things considered, with all the injuries, Simone Augustus hasn't played a game yet. I think you should probably be pretty happy with ten wins so far. I am. I am. I And I give that credit to the coach. She's done a tremendous job. I mean, she's played on her team. She just has, uh, assuming that Simone hasn't played for us, but only two players from you know, really last year and everybody else's, you know, that she kind of uh, has kind of brought on or she had to wait for the two players that were over in Europe. So she didn't have those uh, two, but she had all uh, new players to play with. Uh, she did a wonderful draft, even though that one of our players got hurt, who, who could have really helped us. But uh, I got to admire her because then she's changed the style that they play because you got a different group of uh, individuals out there. And here she is, uh, you know, having been in about fourth place. Uh, so um, more credit to her and the players. I mean, I'll tell you what, the Odyssey Sims trade, I mean, we don't need to get into the to the off-the-court issues, Glenn, but on the court, Odyssey Sims has been unbelievable. She, um, uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to her before she uh, um, committed to, uh, to us and, you know, talked about to her the, the ability that, uh, you know, she would be able to play lots of minutes here. She just thought that the... Uh, staying with the Sparks that that opportunity was gone and she wouldn't have that. So she said, uh, you know, basically, I just want to be with a team that really appreciates me and and wants me. And uh, I think, you know, she just feels that she landed at the right place, that uh, certainly we appreciate her abilities and we need her and, and she has the freedom to do a lot of things and this coach is really counting on her and so she's a really happy person and from that happiness you know she's just really played well and then her off the court issue you're just you're happy the way that cheryl has handled that behind the scenes well i'm happy i mean i i feel like everybody that you know she made a a a mistake Uh, she acknowledges it and and i don't know what's going to happen yet because we're just going to let that time uh, take care of that but, uh, you know, uh, she's a young person. Hopefully she learns from this and doesn't make the same mistake again. Do you still maintain contact, Glenn, with Maya Moore? I have not, I have not talked to Maya now for quite a while. Uh, coach has. I've talked to the coach. Coach has and brought me up to date on that, her conversations with Maya. Uh, Maya stopped in and saw our players when we were down in Atlanta. And, you know, so I uh, heard uh, heard about that. But I haven't uh, taken the initiative to call her since quite a while. 
And I suppose then everything's sort of up in the air for next year. I mean, I guess it's it's unknown yeah, I, at this point. I, I don't think anybody pressed her on that issue, and and uh, but she, I was told that she really looks good. She looks rested, and and uh, I think you know uh, she had told me at the time she wants the whole year to think about this and do her work and that she wanted to do with her her um, uh, church work, and uh, and I my guess is she you know. She'll make up her mind uh, before next year if she wants to come back or not. I mean, we'd love to have her back. And I'll let you go after this. This just hit me, Glenn. Is it crazy to think that Ryan Saunders is now a dad? I mean, think about how long you've known him for, right? I mean, you remember him when he was little tiny Ryan, and now all of a sudden he's the dad. He's the father of of a young man. Yeah, it's uh, you know I got to smile, and we I kid him on that and stuff like that there because I've known him for so long, but. I'm so happy for him and his wife that uh, they're so happy with their baby and their family. And, and it's just, uh, you know, part of the whole process of, uh, of being friends and involved with the Timberwolves. And, I mean, the middle name is perfect, right, Philip? Yeah, Philip, yep, yep. I mean, that's just that's as good as it gets. Glenn, yep. thank you so much, and we'll connect soon. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Wolves and Lynx owner Glenn Taylor. When it comes to owners across all the major sports, he's as open, he's as available as any. You may not always agree with what he says, but I'm telling you, many owners have no interest in doing interviews. Glenn at least makes himself available. He will answer questions. We appreciate Glenn's time here on the Scoop Podcast. I was going to get to Trevor Hildenberger, Twins reliever, who's rehabbing in Fort Myers next, but I think because of time issues... I think what I'll do is I think I'll get to a conversation I had with Jarrett Culver yesterday, and we'll make this very much a basketball-centric podcast. I've got some conversations coming up with Adam Thielen, Rashid Hageman. It's been a busy week. I also caught up with Nick Bukestead this week, Riley Tufty. So it's been a fun and busy week of interviews on my end, but I've only got so much time here in the 6 o'clock hour on Score North. So I think I'll get to some notes plus Jarrett Culver when we come back. Final segment time here on the Scoop Podcast on this Friday night on Score North and scorenorth.com. Glenn referenced them offering a two-way or soon-to-be offering a two-way contract to one of their summer league guys. they got to keep an eye on would be Jordan McLaughlin, but the kid Martin from Butler that we talked to Fran Fraschilla about in the first segment. We also talked to Fran about Jordan McLaughlin, but specifically Martin, he is in that mix too. I mean, they now have two two-way contracts open after giving Reed a standard NBA contract. The Wolves have three team options on it, so he gets his money though for this upcoming season, but the Wolves now have those two two-way openings, but specifically keep an eye on Jordan McLaughlin. On Jalen Noel, there are some issues in the contract negotiation. Let's just leave it at that. I'm not quite sure the sides see eye-to-eye at this point. I think there's been some interesting dialogue between the sides. Hopefully they can resolve some of those issues. But you look at some of the contracts guys in the early 40s to mid-40s have gotten so far. Would it make some sense for the Wolves to offer Noel the same or at least something comparable? Maybe it would. So are the Wolves being fair or what was promised on draft night? I mean, oftentimes in the second round, deals are at least verbally reached before a selection is made. So I think there's more to that story, but I would say it's an interesting negotiation right now. That's the best way to put it. We'll get to some Twins notes, an update on Trevor Hildenberger, include a trade talk update. Plus, I have a note on David Morgan of the Vikings. But let me now get to my conversation, brief conversation I had yesterday with 
Wolves rookie Jarrett Culver. The Wolves on draft night moved Dario Saric and pick 11 to move up to pick 6. Landing pick 6 from Phoenix. Darius Garland of Vanderbilt went pick 5 to Cleveland, unfortunately for the Wolves. But fortunately for the Wolves, Jarrett Culver was still on the board. The Wolves think very, very highly of Culver. I caught up with Culver after he helped conduct a clinic with some young men and women at a community center in St. Paul. Jared, let's just start with your interaction with the kids. I mean, you're playing pig. I mean, it just it looked like or you were playing lightning, I guess. I mean, your face just lights up. I mean, how much did you enjoy interacting with the young kids? I always tell my parents and my family, Jared love the kids. And I mean, it's a joke, but I mean, at the same time, I enjoy it because I was once a kid I would have loved to have something like this and been able to have a role model or NBA players to play with and look up to. So it's always been great just being out here with the kids and give them that hope. Does it even add more that you have your family here? I see your brothers behind me. Yes, for sure. It means a lot that I have my family here. Just they, They've been by my side through it all. So just having them here with me, it's been great. Best athlete in the Culver family is? That's a hard question. But I'm going to go with my oldest brother, Trey. Uh, he high jumps 7-7 seven, seven and something. So it's tough to do that. So, I mean, I had to give it to him. Has the whirlwind calmed down? I mean, has it now hit you that, okay, you're now a member of the Wolves? It's been a crazy few weeks. It's been real busy, but, I mean, once the trade went through and I, I got to be a part of the organization and talk to all the coaches and stuff, it's kind of calmed down and relaxing. I've been enjoying every moment of it. What's been your interaction like with Coach Saunders, with Gerson? How do you envision your role playing out? Uh, I just, I just, I'm going to be coachable. I'm going to give them my all play the best to my abilities and you know give them everything I got every night that's what I'm gonna do if I had told you like if we had talked right after the national championship game you're playing at US Bank Stadium if I had said hey this is going to be your home for the next X amount of years what would you have told me I would have been like you probably crazy I, I would have never thought anything like this would happen but it's such a blessing I take it in it's such a blessing I don't take anything for granted so I'm glad to be here is it just a reminder how crazy the NBA world can be that Minnesota maybe wasn't on your radar all that much and then all of a sudden, boom, you're a Timberwolf? Yeah, it shows how crazy and how, how much of the business side that is. And, you know, it speaks volumes that Minnesota came up to get me. And I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm glad to be a Timberwolf. Your work ethic is legendary. I mean, you were in the gym at, what, 6.30 this morning? Is that is that something you do pretty regularly? I mean, in the gym at 6 in the morning? Uh, I try to get in the gym as much as I can. It's always time... <laughs> My bad. It's always time to get better, so whatever I got to do to get better, whatever I got to do to perfect my craft, that's what I do. I mean, does that even go back to when you were in high school? Like, I talked to Jared Nunes about you. Jared recruited you. He's an assistant coach at Baylor. And he said, hey, you know, I mean, I saw that work ethic long ago. We had Jared on a, an unofficial visit when you were a junior in high school. And he knew just because the way you work that you had a chance to be special. Yeah, uh, it's always room to get better, and God gave me a talent. He gave me this platform, and I don't want it to go to waste, so the only way to do that is work on my craft, be the best player I could be, be the best person I could be, and give God all the glory. Take us through what kind of player you are. I mean, you like to initiate the offense, but you can also play off the ball? Yeah, for sure. I could, I could play one through three, four, whatever whatever it takes that coach needs me out there to do to win. I even guard a five, and coach says that's the best thing I got to do to win, so... I mean, just coming out, just playing defense, uh, taking pride in defense, starting the NBA, and then letting my offensive game develop, I feel like that'd be good for me. Take us through, I'll leave you after this. Take us through what the next handful of weeks will look like. I mean, it was disappointing that we didn't get to see in Summer League, but what will the next few weeks look like for you? Uh, just, just getting involved with the organization and program and making sure I stay in touch with coach and everybody and the whole staff and the GMs and everybody. 
and just making sure I stay stay true to myself and work on my game every day, and that's what I'm gonna do. Will you be in town for a while working out? Uh, I will be. I'll be here, and then I, my trainer's out in Phoenix, so I'll be out out with him a little bit, but. Other than that, I'll be here and there. There is no doubt that Jarrett's older brother, Trey, is a ridiculous athlete. All right, on the Twins, I recorded a conversation earlier today with reliever Trevor Hildenberger. I'll air that on the next Scoop podcast early next week. He told me he actually participated in long toss today, hopes to ramp up early to mid-next week to pitching on the mound. He's been in Fort Myers, or at least he's been out since mid-June. Been in Fort Myers the last handful of weeks rehabbing. He got sent from the Twins to AAA Rochester mid-May and then pitched in Rochester mid-May to mid-June, then suffered a muscle strain, a forearm muscle strain. So anyway, he's been rehabbing in Fort Myers for the last few weeks, but his end goal is hopefully to be back in Rochester in the near future, maybe in the next few weeks. Then he still has the goal of helping the Twins whether it's in mid-August, late August, September, he still feels like he can help the Twins make a run this year, much like he did in 2017. I think we forget how good Trevor Hildenberger was a couple years ago helping the Twins get to the playoffs. MLB.com had the report earlier today that the Twins had a high-ranking scout in San Francisco last night to watch the Giants and the Mets. Yes, the Twins have talked to the Giants and to the Mets about any number of arms. Madison Bumgarner, Will Smith, Edwin Diaz go up and down the list. The Twins are casting a wide net. The is they will have, or I guess the game is already underway, that they have a high-ranking scout in Detroit tonight for Blue Jays-Tigers. They have an interest in some Tigers pitchers, including Shane Green, Marcus Stroman is starting for the Blue Jays. I'm telling you, the Twins are casting an incredibly wide net, but does it matter all that much until there's actual action? They've talked to the Mariners about the lefty in the Mariners' pen, the Mariners' closer. I'm telling you, they've talked to so many teams. They love Kirby Yates. Will the Padres even deal Yates? The Twins are trying. They want to add at least one arm, if not multiple arms. And yes, they would love to add an arm or two that is controllable beyond this year, but they're not married to that idea. The right trade presents itself, and it's a pending free agent. So be it. The Twins are all in on trying to get to the playoffs and win the World Series this year. So it'll come down to action. You can have all the conversations in the world you want. I am curious to see what Falvey and Levine will do. Yes, I do think ultimately they end up making at least one, if not multiple trades. The baseball trade deadline is 11 days away. It is on July 31st. On the Vikings, David Morgan, who had knee surgery a few weeks ago. That knee's been bothering him since the end of last year. He actually missed a game last year with that knee injury. He is hoping to be back early in training camp, but at this point with training camp opening a week from today, I'm not quite sure David Morgan will be ready to rock and roll. Yes, Vikings training camp. The veterans are on the field starting next Friday. Actually, the other day I was in Chanhassen with Adam Thielen. He was working out with J.C. Hassenauer of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was working out with some other NFL players, including Ryan Connolly of the New York Giants. But anyway, Adam said it's unbelievable how soon training camp is, but he is ready to go. Adam Thielen looked to be in phenomenal shape. It was great catching up with Adam. I'll play back that conversation with Adam on a future Scoop podcast. Shameless plug for the main job, Channel 5, KSTP.com, the sports page. We put a lot of good content on there. One of our guys caught up with Tyus Jones at the Twin Cities Pro-Am earlier this week. Tyus was great talking about his move to Memphis and how he really feels like Ryan Saunders will succeed as an NBA coach. And there's some other stuff on there as well. We caught up with Drew Gilbert, the Stowater pitcher, 
Earlier this week, he committed to Tennessee. John Anderson and the Gophers tried. He decommitted from Oregon State, but Drew Gilbert from Stillwater on his way to the SEC. He'll be a Tennessee volunteer. So there's so much good content on the sports page on KSTP.com. That'll do it for this episode. This has been episode 244. Have a great weekend, everyone. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.